Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt like you have a habit that you wanted to let go of, but it wouldn't let go of you? Hey, have you ever felt like that, that there was something of your past you just couldn't get past? Each year is a new mile marker and a journey in our lives. But I've discovered that things don't change because the calendars changes. As a matter of fact, things don't change till your habits and priorities change. The truth is you make your habits and then your habits make you. What we have an opportunity to do with every new year is to allow this to be a mile marker of our spiritual journey to find out, are we growing? How much are we growing? And where do we need to grow? Where are we stuck? You remember a year ago, I told you a story about being in Atlanta airport. As a matter of fact, on New Year's Eve, we held a celebration. I brought in at that time, one of the best known Christian speakers in the world and He spoke at what is now the uh, Hyman Performing Arts Center. It was then called the Lafayette Municipal Auditorium. And the next day, we were flying on New Year's Day to go to his home in Kentucky to be with his family. And we got stuck in the Atlanta airport. Anybody ever been stuck in the Atlanta airport? The Atlanta airport is the busiest airport in the world. Anyone know that? I have heard, I don't know if it's true, I need to ask Dr. Scott Adams, who has two PhDs, the pastor at Midtown, I've heard that when you die, if you go to heaven or hell, you still have to change planes in Atlanta. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. But it was one of those days where it was snowing all across the country and flights were being canceled everywhere and everybody's agitated and aggravated. And I mean, Atlanta airport is, is already, I mean, at rush hour, it's like Mardi Gras without the beads and the beer. It It is. And, and you just hear this, flight number 99 is canceled, flight number 97 is moved to gate 14 from gate one. And you know, people are just you know, trying to hustle and bustle. And, and, and we're waiting, we can't go anywhere. And I'm just looking at all of these people and I'm just thinking, this is a new year. These people are hustling, bustling, and somebody needs to say something for the Lord. Humble like I am. I jumped up, H.J., on a table and said, Delta Airlines has a special announcement to make, a special announcement to make. And immediately everybody around me, hundreds of people got quiet. And I said, on behalf of Delta Airlines, we would like to wish you a happy new year and to let you know that unless you give your life to Jesus Christ and change your habits, it won't be a new year. It'll be the same old year you had last year. On behalf of Delta Airlines, thank you and Happy New Year. And then I ran to the men's bathroom and locked myself in a stall. That's not true, but the first part is true. That's exactly what I did. Why? Because I know, like you know, that all of us can get stuck. We have a fallen nature and all of us tend, if we don't do what's right, as a matter of fact, you can work out every day. Stop working out for two or three weeks. It doesn't matter. You can eat the same thing you were eating before. You become flabby. You don't feel as well. All of those things happen because we live in a fallen world. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say because this is really important. 
All of us have a flesh pattern. Say that with me, flesh pattern. Your flesh pattern is determined by your family of origin. Let me me explain that. The Aranza men are all womanizers and drinkers. So if I was to give into my flesh pattern, that's where I would go. Some of you come from families where it's anger. Others, it's tobacco. Some of you, it's... You think just because you got a prescription, it's all right. You know, you're, you're people that go, man, I got, I got eye disease, so I got to smoke. After you smoke that much weed, you do have problems looking and seeing. But, but it doesn't matter. Some it's fear, some it's anxiety, some it's depression, some it's alcohol, some it's drugs, some it's porn. Some, all of us have different, does everybody understand what I'm saying? And most of us can look at our family and see what those flesh patterns are. Now, in order to truly understand what I'm telling you, I have my trash cans. Those of you who've been here before, you know, this helps you understand and get a visual of how we're made. We are made in the image of God. Here's what John 4, 24 says that God is. Read it with me. God is, he's what? He's spirit. So God is spirit. This is the part of me that is going to live forever. This is a part of me that's going to live in heaven or in hell. But this, this is it. The spirit part of me, that's the part of me that's eternal. So I am a spirit. I have a soul. Say that, I have a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. My mind, will, and emotions. And then finally, I live in my body. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, God said, in the day you touch or eat of the tree, you are going to, you're going to die. Okay, did Adam and Eve's body die? Did they just fall over dead? No. So it wasn't their body that died. What died? Their spirit died. So man was born. You were born. Mother Teresa was born. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And that's why in order to have a relationship with God, we must be born again. Because only when we're born again do we become spiritually alive. So if I'm spiritually dead, then guess what I am being led by? My body and my soul. The Bible calls this person who's led by their body and their soul. The voice of your body is called feelings and the voice of your soul is called reason. So the Bible calls this person that just runs around being led by these two things, the carnal man. Carnal is a Latin word, carne. Anybody, anybody ever eat Mexican food? How many of you love Mexican food? How many of you know God made Mexicans? And Mexicans made Mexican food. Let us all bow and worship to Jesus. Okay, so the person that is led by these two things is called carnal or being ruled by the flesh. Being ruled by the flesh. Why why are you telling us all of this, Pastor? I'm telling you this because I'm going to show you how this plays out in your daily lives. Until you become born again, you are not spiritually alive. Okay, you can, you can put this, you can put your soul and your body in church, you can get it baptized, you can get it christened, you can join the church, you can serve, 
But you are spiritual, and until your spirit comes alive, all you're trying to do is conform. You will never be transformed. You'll never be transformed. Here is what the Bible says and how this plays out. So let me give you a little statement that will help you. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in my body. Let's try that. I am a created in the image of God. I have a mind, will, and emotions, and I live in my and I live in my body. Now watch and see what Paul teaches us about these dynamics in Romans chapter eight. Listen to what he says: For those who live according to the flesh, the carnal man, set their their reasoning on the things of the what flesh. Now listen to what it says about those things. But those who live according to the the things of the now watch this for to be carnally minded is okay. What does that mean? Okay, let's think about the things that are carnal. Okay, how many of you like food? Do you know that two years ago Lafayette was voted the happiest city in America? Do you know that three months ago it was voted the third most unhealthy city in America? So that means that we are fat and happy. We die, but we die with a stick of Buddha and crackling in each side of our mouth. Okay, very, very happy as we go 10 years before our time. Because the devil wants to kill you, but if you'll let him, Popeyes will do it and help him by clogging up your arteries. Okay, so well, why, why am I saying this? It's not that things of the flesh are bad. It's just they die when you die. I love crawfish etouffee. I love chicken fricasse. I love, oh, it's too close to lunch for me to be saying all these things. I I mean, I, I love all of those things. They're just not eternal. I love football. How many people love football? Of course. I used to love LSU football. And this record this year showed me it's the flesh. (laughs) But here is what our goal is this week. Our goal is to help you recognize that if you live and build your identity on the things of the flesh, you're building on what's temporary and what will die with you. But if you build on the things of the spirit, you build things that will last forever. So watch what it says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the the things of the... To be carnally minded is, but to be spiritually minded is... What? What? Okay, let me get this right. I can put my mind on things that are all going to die when I die, or I can put my mind on things that are eternal and have life in peace. Life and peace. So let me ask you a question. How many of you would choose life and peace? Okay. Then those choices have to be made by habits, not good intentions. You you cannot have downhill habits and make an uphill climb in your spiritual journey because all of us have flesh patterns that are constantly pulling us back to the ways of the flesh 
in our lives. Can I ask you a question? How many of you, when you were growing up, there was stuff you hated about your parents? There was like an attribute you hated. Raise your hand. How many of you know the only thing worse than you hating it in your parents is seeing it inside you? Come on. You, you heard it when he looked at you and go, you're just like your mama. My mama. You want my mama? <laughs> I mean, the Medea portion of her mama comes out. During this week of prayer and fasting, our goal is to teach you to be able to feed this and to make this a priority so that you can have a different perspective and a power and a strength going into 2022. Let's be honest. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, were you feeding your spirit? Can you imagine if we put a table up here and stacked everything on that table that you ate between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day? Because you know what you did? You relaxed, you watched football, you ate boudin, crackling, eggnog. You ate, oh, is it true? So now this is a moment that God has given us to reset from feeding the flesh so that we can feed our spiritual lives. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of prayer and fasting? Isaiah 58 verse 6 says, Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of, to undo, heavy, to let the oppressed, and to break every... Yoke, is it not that you share your bread with the hungry, that you bring into your house the poor who are cast out, and when you see the naked, you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, when you do this, your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be behind you, your rear guard. Then you will call upon the Lord, and when you do, he will answer you and say, Here I am. So what does fasting do for the child of God? It helps us get rid of habits or bondages. Now, let me just, simple question, okay? I just want to remind you before I ask this simple question, if you lie in church, you go straight to hell. Just joking, kind of. How many of you have a habit that you need to get rid of in your life? At least one, raise your hand. Okay, no, don't point at people with fingers. Just this is a personal thing. It, it causes us to get loose from, to undo burdens. Some of you through all this last season have felt an overwhelming depression and you wonder what's wrong with me. My circumstances haven't changed. Why do I feel this weight? Why do I feel this heaviness on me, pastor? To be freed from oppression. The word oppression Possession is on the inside, controlling you. Oppression is on the outside. It's kind of like you're going this way and it pushes you this way. And then it pushes you this way. It was like you were, you were in an argument and there was something right here in the back of your mind and you were going, I can't say that. I better not say that. I can't say that. And all of a sudden, just, somebody just pressed it right out. And it came out. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, correct? So... What do we do spiritually when this happens? We loose bondage, we undo burdens, we get free from oppression, and we break yokes. That's things that we're locked into that we can't get free from. 
What should we do with our, our thoughts? We should think about the needy and the hungry. You know, the truth is there isn't a person here that's ever been hungry. Like, has anybody here ever been hungry and you did not know where you would get a meal in the next 24 or 48 hours? You were like, I don't have anything to eat, period. You know, most of us have. We're ruled by our own V's. Like you go, hey, baby, I'm coming home and uh, what do we have? Well, I got some gumbo in the refrigerator. Well, I got an envie for some crawfish. It, it means a, a, a hankering, a, a desire, a hunger, an envie. That's a French word. Isn't that what it means? Come on, Cajun people. Mexicans shouldn't be telling you what the envie means. What does it mean? Huh? I got it. Thank you very much. So we don't eat because we're starving. We eat because there's a palate taste that we have of what it is different that we want to eat. When we fast, it's actually an opportunity to actually feel what people who are truly starving feel. Philippians 3, 9 says, easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their God, belches their praises. All they can think about is their appetites. Let's starve the flesh, the carnal person, and let's feed our spirit. Let's feed our spirit. Jesus showed us even through his very example, fasting gives you strength. It gives you strength. Listen to what happens in Matthew chapter four. Jesus is about to be tested. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the spirit for the what? Test. And the devil was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And that left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Since your God's son, speak the word, and they turned these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus answered saying, a quote from Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of what? Words from God's mouth. In other words, as we starve the appetites of our body, of our flesh, of our carnal person, we feed our spirit. We feed on something else. This will satisfy the hunger of the moment, but it won't give you peace. How many of you know an old-time po' boy grocery, old-time grocery po' boy will not give you peace? Give you heartburn, and it's real good going down. Would it give you peace? No, but you can get alone with God's word and set your mind on the things of the spirit and begin to feed yourself spiritually. And you don't need Paxil or you don't need a Prozac or you don't. And if you, if you're on medication and you definitely need that, need that, but be sure that you take care of this first because you might need this and not that. So. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three, this passage that was made mentioned to previously says this, he put you through hard times. He made you go hungry and then he fed you with manna, something neither you nor your parents knew anything about. Watch this. So you would learn that men don't, women don't live by what? But by every 
Word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of you have ever been worried and ate? Okay. Can I tell you this? It didn't matter how much you eat, it will not give you peace. But you know what you can do? You cannot eat and break open the promises of God. And I want, you, I want you to listen to a husband of 40 years and a daddy of 37 years with six children. I have had one or two of the promises of God keep me for 10 years. Keep me for 10 years. Each one of my children that are preaching the gospel and serving God long before they ever chose to do that, I had a promise that I chose to stand on and I held that promise strong and didn't waver, Michelle and I, until their lives matched up with the promises of God. And what you see today is the fulfillment of what we saw a long time ago in the promises of God because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the words that come from the mouth of God. Nehemiah practiced fasting when he knew that he needed to rebuild the city. Nehemiah 1.4. So when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned many days and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When Esther was wanting to save Queen Esther, all the Jews that were going to be annihilated, she asked to fast and pray. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and have them fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days, day and night. And my maids and I will fast likewise. When Daniel got ready to go into the lion's den, listen to what happens. Daniel 9.3, then I will set my face toward the Lord God and make requests to prayer and supplications with, with fasting, with fasting. And this isn't something, fasting is not starving. Fasting is starving what's temporary to feed what is eternal. It's not have to, it's want to. Say that with me. It's not, it's, let me explain the difference. How many hunters do we have here? Come on, raise your hand. Can you imagine if someone hired you and made you do what the average hunter does? Let me explain this. Hey, man, what do you do for a living? You're not going to believe what I do for a living, man. What happened? My boss comes and picks me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Man, that's rough hours. I know, and it's cold. And you know what he makes me do? What? Put on every single stitch of clothes that I have. Wow. That's weird. Then what do you do? We drive to the swamp. And then what do y'all do? We put on a pair of waiters. Some of you, it's Cajun waiters, trash bags wrapped around your legs with some Converse. Okay. And then what do you do? Then we drag some fake ducks out across the swamp about the length of a football field. And then what do you do? Well, then the idiot puts a fake duck out there that flaps like this. Then what do you do? Then he sits and he tries to act like a duck. Your boss is crazy. How about deer hunters? How many deer hunters we have here? At least when you're ducking goose hunt, you can talk with somebody. In a deer stand, you're like, and you just shake and shiver and hope. I know deer hunters that go hunting all season long and don't even shoot one time. Do they have to? 
They want to. As a matter of fact, they're paying thousands of dollars to do it. So when it comes to spiritual things, it really is like this. And some of you have heard me tell this story before. I don't know if you know this, but in South Louisiana, people have fought chickens. As a matter of fact, in sunset, there is carved into the ground an entire chicken stadium where they watch roosters fight. How many of you have ever heard of that? Raise your hand. How many of you know where it is? Raise your hand. How do you know? Just a question. I've just heard about it. Okay, well, well, there was a guy who came around through South Louisiana and he had two fighting dogs. One was black and one was white and the black dog was a huge dog. So he went over to Sunset and man, everybody started betting on the dog and the first night everybody bet on the black dog because the black dog was so big and the white dog was so small and the last person that bet was the owner of the dogs and he bet on the white dog. And that night, the white dog won. He came back the next night. Man, everybody bet on the white dog. He bet last, and he bet on the black dog, and the black dog won. He did that three nights, and nobody ever figured out but him. Same two dogs. He lived there. He went to Crowley. He lived there. He went to Delcom. He just started making his round all around Louisiana. And a guy followed him for about a month. And after a month, he looked at me and said, hey, look, I, I haven't figured this out. He said, I've been following you for a month. He said, you fight three or four nights at one place with these dogs. It's the same two dogs. You're the only one that knows which dog is going to win. You're right every night. How do you know which dog is going to win? And you know what he said? It's easy. Whichever dog I feed that day, that's the one that wins. Someone wrote this poem. There are two natures within my breast. One is cursed. The other is blessed. One I love and one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. You can't have peace by coming to church. You can't have peace by putting a Bible on your coffee table or your nightstand. This isn't a good luck charm. This is a manual on how to live your life so that God can talk to you and direct you every step of your life. Whichever one you feed, whichever one you feed. So what happens when we do this? Power comes to us. Even Jesus did this. Watch this. They come to Jesus. He's prayed. His disciples have prayed for someone who had a demon and they were casting demons out everywhere, but this demon, they couldn't get out. Listen to what happens. And when they had come to Jesus, they came, the multitude came and a man came to him and knelt down before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and he has suffered severely for he often falls into the fire and then into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and first generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured that very hour. Then the disciples who were embarrassed came to him privately and said, Lord, why couldn't we cast that demon out? Jesus said, because of your 
unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, read it with me. This kind does not go out except by, and prayer connects us with God, but fasting disconnects us from the flesh. It disconnects us from the world. Remember, we read what fasting does, Isaiah 58, 8. Then your light will break forth like the morning. That means you'll see, it won't be darkness anymore. Your healing will spring forth speedily and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear garden. Next thing says, and you'll, answer, I'll, you'll, you'll cry out to me and I'll answer and hear you. So what does it do? It brings perspective, it brings healing, it brings righteousness, it brings protection, and it gives you the ability to hear God's voice by turning off all the appetites and voices of the flesh. So we're going to ask you to join us on a seven-day fasting journey. How many have ever fasted before? How many of you, it was a fast fast? Somebody told me, God told me in the church, he goes, Pastor, I fast when I go to bed. I said, you're asleep? He goes, yeah, that's when I fast. I guess that's what fast asleep means. I don't know. Okay. We, we have, we have a fasting guide that can tell you the different types of fast you can do. First, there's a full fast where you would drink, either drink water and liquids. We used to say anything that you can get through a straw. Somebody found out how to get crawfish and to faith through a straw. Okay. So. The goal is not to find out how much you can get through a straw. So it can be a fast where you just drink liquids, water, water and healthy juices. Okay. It can be a Daniel fast. When Daniel fasted, all he ate was vegetables and salads. No dairy. Okay. It can be a partial fast. In other words, you can just say, okay, when I'm at work, I'm not going to eat. That's going to be my meal that I fast. Or maybe I'm just going to eat one meal a day. Let me give you some great thoughts. Well, Pastor, what do I do during the time when I would be eating in my lunch hour? Feast on the word. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the words that come from the mouth of God. Feast on this. Maybe go to your car. Turn on some worship. How many of you loved our worship time today? Wasn't that amazing? Thank you, Pastor Chris, for saying what you said. Because some of you are here and you're going, I love this. Is it this building? No. When you begin to talk about God, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And when you start praising him, he shows up. You ever been talking about somebody and go, speak of the devil, and they come walking in? You start speaking about Jesus and he shows up. We're two or more gathered together. He comes in power. Yes, can he do that one-on-one? And you heard me say last week, COVID didn't kill the Sabbath. Sunday still belongs to God. If you're at home because you're sick, stay home. But if you're at home because you're comfortable, come back to the house of God. COVID didn't kill the Sabbath belonging to Jesus. It still belongs to him. So go through a time of worship in your car. Just, just, just go to 
any of the worship. Go to Jesus Culture Worship. Go to Bethel Worship. Go to Hillsong. Just sit up in your car. Just They don't worry. I mean, you drive down the street, people are waving at you and doing all kinds of showing you directions and stuff everywhere. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. How about taking what you would do for lunch or the meals you're not eating and give it to somebody who's in need? Buy them lunch. How about taking this week and, and taking that money and getting it together and going buying groceries for somebody you know? It's not feeding your appetites. It's instead feeding your spirit. It's thinking of someone else beside you. Here's another one. I love this. A Thanksgiving fast. That means during the time that you're not eating, take your phone out and make a list of all the people that have been good to you through the course of your life. And then text them, call them, write them notes. How many of you have a good mom and daddy? Come on. How many of you got a good mama and papa? Raise your hand. Look at me. If you called them every day and told them how grateful you were, it wouldn't be enough. You know what I see happen at funerals that's so tragic? Is that people try to say at a funeral when they act crazy what they should have been saying every day that person was alive and now it's too late. My dear friend Tracy Kerr said his father told him gratitude is the most short-lived emotion there is. And that's why I appreciate when Pastor Chris said you do this in remembrance. Jesus knew we would forget his sacrifice. So he kept saying, I want you to do this. And every time you do this, I want you to remember what I paid. Some mamas got up in the middle of the night to cook for you. So you had lunch to go. They worked extra jobs so you could go to the school that you went to. You could have the tennis shoes everybody else had. So you could have the bike, the motorcycle, the car payment. You will never go wrong being thankful to people. Matter of fact, is there anybody here that knows someone that you go, you know what their problem is? Pastor, I'll tell you what their problem is. They're just too thankful. Every time you get around them, they're just thanking you for everything. Just thank you for what you've done. Just Does anyone know a person that's too thankful? Let's see if you can be the first one. Let's see if you can be the first one. Let's see if you can resist the flesh pattern of just thinking about you and giving in to the desires of the carnal man or the flesh. You know what's so cool about God? He's always thinking about us. There's 8 billion people on earth and you will never say father and go, just a minute, got somebody on the line over in Delcom. He's the most important person you know, and he's always waiting to hear from you wherever you go. Make a gratitude list of people that you're grateful and thankful for and call them and pray for them and thank them. Each morning, we're going to be here at six in the morning leading you through a 45, 50-minute time of prayer and worship. I'm going to be speaking tomorrow morning. It'll be a short devotion. We're going to worship a short devotion, and then we're going to pray over many of the cards that are here. Hey, these last 24 months have been hell. Let's get a deposit of heaven to face them. Let's get some divine perspective to face them. Let's start off starving our flesh and feeding our spirit. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for the heart that you've given these precious people that are here and the privilege of their trust. Their trust. Lord, we want to be spiritual tour guides, leading them on the greatest adventure of their lives, freeing themselves from generational flesh patterns and giving their children and grandchildren a spiritual legacy they wish they would have had. And for those that had a good one, stewarding it and giving a better one to our children and grandchildren. Today, Holy Spirit, we know that we can't do this. We know that our nation needs revival, but it's got to start with us. It's got to start with us. Revive your church and start with us here today. Start with us. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. You see, you can take your body and you can take your mind and you can put it in church. You can baptize it. You can take it through CYO, CCD, membership class at OSC, any of those things. But until you're born again, you never have the capacity to know God because he's a spirit and you're spiritually dead. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how can I be born again? Well, my birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a junior high school. That day, the old Jacob died, and a new one was spiritually raised from the dead. I was born again. How can I do that, Pastor? It's as easy as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer, and he died for your sin, so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. Somebody will die for your sin. Either he did or you will. And see, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. As you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again, you can't get freed from habits until you're born again. You don't have the power. You don't have the power. So in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you've never been born again, but today you want to begin your spiritual journey, today you want to be born again, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up real high and put it back down. I'm the only one that's going to be looking, and then we're going to pray for you. Remember, this only happens once, just like the day you were born. One, God brought you here. Nothing is an accident. You might think it's happenstance, not true. God has been using circumstances and people to direct you towards this moment. He's been reaching out to you. This is the moment. Two, nothing is an accident. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. What you feel inside of you with your heart beating so fast, that's that same thing Pastor Chris talked about. That's God's Spirit trying to speak to you. And now's your time if you've never been born again, to raise your hand to be born again and to begin your spiritual journey knowing God. Three, if that's you, lift it high. Pastor, I want to be born again. Yes, one. Anywhere else? Two. Anywhere else? Three. Four. Anywhere else? Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anywhere else? Ten. 
All right. All right. You can put 11. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask these last 10 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 11, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know God is talking to me. It's your voice, but God is talking to me. I know it. I should have raised my hand, but I didn't. I want to join these 11. Raise your hand and wave it at me if that's you. I'm asking this last time for you. 12, 13, 14. Anywhere else? All right. Now, church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raise their hand. We're going to join you by praying out loud with you to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen.